So that song is actually my experience um, with grace. Some of you who have known me for, I don't know, two minutes or so may have come to the conclusion that I can be a little bit of a control freak. Perfectionist. A little bit. Tiny little bit. All I have to say to you is I'm so much better than I used to be. Just be glad you didn't know me 20 years ago. But my experience is the more I try to make things happen the way I want them to happen, the more exhausted I get, the harder I am on the people around me, and the less likely I am to be happy with whatever the result is, no matter how good. And when I say, I express this desire, I want this, I want it to turn out well, I want it to be good, I want to be happy, I want to be grateful, and make room for grace to happen, then the things that unfold are much more, as it says in the song, I would have sold myself short if I'd gotten everything I asked for. Instead, I got what I needed, and more than that, more than that. If I'd gotten what I asked for, I wouldn't be standing right here, because I never asked. <laughs> I want to be a minister. That was not even, boo, wasn't even on my radar for the first 45, five years of my life. It wasn't even on my radar. And then suddenly it got on my radar, but I was living in surrender. I was living in surrender. I was in a job that I knew I couldn't stay with because things were not good there. They were not healthy. The people that I was working with were not healthy and what we were to do, um, what I was being asked to do was healthy for me and for the people I was working with, but it put me next to, it put me standing in a place that didn't feel healthy, if that makes any sense. And so I began to pray this prayer. If it's time for me to leave, make me aware and help me let go. Time for me to leave here, make me aware. Don't let me keep ignoring it and staying in denial because I'm really good at that. And then help me let go because I had spent more than half my life in that job. I didn't really know how to be without that job. But it wasn't until I left that job that my mind and my heart opened up and I realized what I really came here to be. What I really came here to be. And since that time, everything has been so smooth and easy and 100% happy at all moments. <laughs> Not. Not. Not at all. As a matter of fact, the year after I said that, the year after I finally released that job that I was in, and my husband told me, um, hey, babe, this is time for you to concentrate on your music. You know, I'm making enough money at the business. You just, you've never had the time to just concentrate on your music. You do that. I'll take care of everything else. Everything's good. Everything's fine. And within the next year, I lost my best friend suddenly to death, my musical partner of almost 20 years. I lost my dad. My mom was diagnosed with um, dementia. And then this great job, this great business that my husband and I had built from the ground up and invited a partner into, one day the partner came and said, I don't want to work with you anymore. I want you out. So then neither of us had a job. 
and no mommy and daddy to run to, and no best friend to make music with, and life was really, really scary. It was really, really scary. And it was scary for Bob. Bob is Mr. Sunshine. So that's the reason I get to be Mrs. Rain as much as I want to, because I have Mr. Sunshine living in the house. When Bob's sun doesn't shine, it gets really gloomy at our house. And so here's what I did. I got up early every morning, and I read spiritual books, and I wrote a gratitude list every single day for about a year and a half. Every single day. And when I finished with my gratitude list, I'd write little post-it notes to him to tell him how grateful I was for him for little things and to encourage him. And I stuck him in his truck, and I stuck him on his mirror. And we made it through that year, and we are happier, more prosperous, have a more open and beautiful relationship with one another and with life than we had ever had back when we thought we were secure. When I had a good job and he had a good job and everything was fine. And we could go home for Thanksgiving to mom and dad's house, who I had worked out a truce with so that I could spend 24 hours with them happily. Not 25, but 24. That was the cutoff that we had decided worked for me before I started acting really weird and flipping out. So um, things felt secure. And I had to, they had to all be pried from my fingers, pretty much. I did, however, with my job, say, I'm, I surrender, I surrender. I realize there's more. And when the business went out, that's what we said every day. Okay, God has a plan. We don't know what it is. We thought it was this plan. We liked this plan pretty well. It was going good. But this is apparently not the plan anymore. And we don't know what the plan is so once I know what the plan is, I can just, you know, Katie bar the door. I'm right into it. But when I don't know what the plan is, I have to trust. Imagine that. Trust. And so that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. In the idea of gratitude, there's also the, the necessity, I believe, of making space in your life for unexpected things to come in and grace you, that's what I call grace, and to be grateful the whole time even when you don't see the ending yet. It's hard to do, but it's life-changing. And even today, if I have a bad day, if I get up in the morning and think, oh no, I know to start being grateful. To sit down with a pen and paper and make a gratitude list or just sit down on the edge of my bed and start thanking God for all the good in my life until things turn around because they do every time. Maybe things in the world don't turn around, but I turn around. And then I'm open to the gifts that there are. So I want to talk to you today about grace, about allowing grace, about allowing yourself to receive abundant life. And part of that means surrendering what you think of as abundant life because what you think of may not be all the abundance that God has in store for you. So what I know, what I know absolutely beyond a doubt at this point in my life is that spirit, God, unconditional love, divine love is giving all the time. That's the very nature of love, is it's constantly creating. It's constantly creative. And so if I'm not receiving, 
guess where the problem is? We set up roadblocks. We set up roadblocks to receiving our good. I see it all the time. I see it in myself. I see it in others. And here are some practices. This isn't all of them, but some practices that I know can help. And I think one of the roadblocks to receiving, and I don't mean just like in some nebulous way, okay, universe, let me receive, but in receiving from all of the, because guess what? Every person in your life is God with skin on. So if you're not receiving from the people in your life, are you possibly blocking that in some way? I know for me, I was brought up to believe that it is better to give than to receive. Now, it was never explained to me how anybody was supposed to receive if we were all giving. <laughs> it is not better to give than to receive. Giving and receiving must be in balance all the time. There's no place for the giving to go if someone's not receiving. And if you've ever tried to give gifts to someone who will not accept them, whether it's the gift of your love, the gift of your company, the gift of something wrapped in paper, the gift of you picking up the check, or the gift of you giving them a compliment, you know how frustrating it is to try to give to someone who cannot, will not receive. Well, guess what? We are that. So the first thing is we have to stop thinking about ourselves as takers when we receive. There are people in life who take and take and take and don't give. But if you're afraid you might be that, that's pretty much the proof that you're not. <laughs> right? Takers take without gratitude. They're never satisfied. It's never enough. It's an empty hole that they're trying to fill. And usually takers are asking for it all the time. They're not waiting for something to just graciously show up to their door. And even then, if you know a taker, that's calling for love. That's a call for love always. When it doesn't look like love, it's a call for love. But when you are given gifts and refuse them, like, no, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Do you ever refuse to let someone buy you lunch? <laughs> Good for you. Do you ever refuse a compliment? Oh, no, no. This whole thing. Oh, no. I've actually, I've gained 10 pounds. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're wrong. I know you're trying to be nice to me, but you're wrong. Have you ever done that? Have you ever refused help? Here, let me help you with that. No, no, no. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. That, I mean, I, I recognize that because I do that. But I tell you what, the last few years I have made a concerted effort to say yes to help. And it does make life easier when you allow other people to help. What you have to give up is the control of wanting them to help in exactly the way you want them to help. <laughs> so there is that. And every time you do that, every time you relinquish control, even a smidgen, every time you open yourself to surrender, you are allowing more grace into your life. I am living proof of that. I believe it with every fiber of my being. So first of all, I want you to pay attention to how it feels when you receive and when you give. When someone tries to give you something, if you're uncomfortable with receiving it, whether it be a compliment or help or a gift of some other kind, I'm going to ask you to do it differently, even if you absolutely disagree with them. You can say, thank you, and then breathe. 
at least one deep breath. Thank you. Be surprised how hard it is to let people say nice things to you sometimes, especially when you're not feeling so great about yourself, which is why the breath, the breath keeps you from arguing and gives you a moment to actually take it in and allow yourself to feel it. And I want you to pay attention to that and the gratitude that you feel or the embarrassment that you feel or the shame that you feel because sometimes people give to us and it activates our shame. Somebody in our life told us we weren't worthy of receiving. Well, that breath is a moment for you to remind yourself that that was a lie. It was never true and it's not true now. You're worthy of receiving every good thing. And so today, today, you start practicing going, thank you. And then another breath. This is driving me crazy. Okay. So that is sort of these, these two blocks, I call them roadblocks to receiving, the feeling that you're not worthy or that you might want to take too much, you're too needy, those are kind of mixed in with each other. Just when the thought comes up, tell it to go away, take a deep breath and allow in whatever good there is. Because it takes both. You can be a receiver and also a giver as a matter of fact, the more you receive, the more you're able to give. A Course in Miracles says to give is how to recognize that we have received. Any moment that you've given something, that means you had something to give. In Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, he talks about he lived in a concentration camp. He lost every member of his family. And many, many, many people, most of the people he was in the camp with didn't survive, but he did survive. And he was a trained psychologist, and he took notes in his head about who survived and who didn't. And what he noticed is that the people who survived were the people who were able to hold on to what made them feel human, which was the ability to give and to feel gratitude and to receive and to feel gratitude. So, in other words, the people who only had half a crumb, if they give, gave half of their half to someone else, they retained their humanity. If someone gave them half of their half of a crumb, they took it with gratitude. This is how we retain that human part of us that is the divine living through us. And so, we pay attention to how it feels when we give and when we receive and we adjust accordingly we give graciously if you're giving out of an empty well if you're giving because you feel obligated to give because someone's manipulated you into it because you don't really want to and you're tired of it but you're just doing it anyway because it's your habit then i invite you to feel what that feels like and adjust accordingly when we give from a place that is not a free gift from our hearts, then we are keeping score. Whether we're aware of it or not, we're keeping score. Keeping score is not a good way to live life. It doesn't make you feel good. It's hard to ever feel that the score is even. But when you give from a place that you know, hey, I got plenty to give here. And when we receive from a place of, hey, I accept all good 
I accept all good. I was put on this earth to accept the good of God, which may be coming through you or through a paycheck or through a job or through a person on the street or through the sun in the sky or for me through a cool day. Thank you. A day of not sweating. Yay! My favorite kind of day. Then you say thank you and you feel what that feels like and then you become aware of how life is in balance when we allow it to be. When we think we don't deserve, um, I want to bring you to Paul in 2 Corinthians who says about some fault he had in him, right? We think, well, I'm not a good enough person. I didn't meditate enough or I haven't prayed this week or I, for some reason we haven't, we don't even have to know the reason we don't feel good enough. It was possibly something that was implanted into us when we were very young and somehow we've unconsciously agreed with it. We don't have to agree with it anymore. And I love this quote from Paul in 2 Corinthians. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He doesn't say what the fault is, but he's talking about something he does that he doesn't want to do. He said, what I do, I don't want to do. And what I don't want to do, that's what I do. And three times with, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Think about that for a minute. When we surrender, when we don't have the answers, when we aren't pushing our agenda, that's when the divine spirit has the space to give us the grace to then know what to do, to do what is ours to do. When we think we have all the answers, we are limiting grace. But there's nothing you can do that will drive you away from the love that is yours for the taking from birth through eternity. Nothing you can do that can drive it away except your own thoughts saying, I can't take it, I don't want it. And so the response that Paul got from God was, hey, don't worry about it. This is where I shine. <laughs> the places where you let down your guard a little bit, that's where I come in and shine. My power is made perfect in what you consider your weakness. It's actually a gift. So we have to love ourselves enough to know that we deserve good things. And that is a lifetime, that is a lifetime lesson. And I'm just, gonna, I'm just giving you a few pointers today on how to look at that. But I will tell you, I had two grandmothers, as many of us do, um, my maternal grandmother and my paternal grandmother. And I had the gift at the time that both of them died. They weren't both dying at once. They were about four years apart. But in the year leading up to the death of each one of them, I was teaching school, and so I had the summers and holidays off. And so I was my grandmother's caregiver, a caregiver all, all summer long, and then a lot of times during the holidays and so forth. And my paternal grandmother was not a nice person. She used to make up Bible verses to try to keep us in line. Like, I was thinking this morning, I left my bathroom this giant mess. Everything was just sort of thrown down because I suddenly realized I was late and ran out the door and didn't pick anything up. My grandmother once made up a Bible verse about how, I don't remember exactly how it went, but base, the basis of it was that I am a sinner if I go out of the house looking good when my wet towel is on the bathroom floor. 
I believed it for a while. It, you know, I had to actually read through the whole Bible to figure out all the stuff that she said that wasn't actually in there. But she was a, she was a troubled person. And she had no trouble receiving. She had a little trouble giving. She had no trouble receiving. And actually for me to take care of her at the end of her life was so easy because she didn't question anything that I had to do for her. She didn't consider anything beneath her or um, beneath me. <laughs> Whatever needed to be done, I just did, and she allowed it. And it was wonderful. Now, my maternal grandmother was the kind of person who always wanted to do something for you. That was her whole life, is giving to people. Let me cook you something to eat. It didn't matter if you said, I just ate a big steak dinner. She would say, can I cook you a hamburger? There's some fried chicken in the refrigerator. I got some ice cream. Can I make you a pie? She would not sit down and let you enjoy her company. She had to be doing something for you. And that made her a pretty great grandmother when you're a kid. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll take some ice cream. But when I was taking care of her, it was hellish. Every single thing that I had to do for her, every time I changed her bed, every time I had to help her toilet, every time I had to bathe her, every time I did anything for her, prepared a meal for her, she fought against it. She said, no, 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 please don't. I, and said over and over again, I wish I could just die. I wish I could just die. I wish I could just die. It was a horrible experience in many ways, but it taught me so much. Having come after it did just two years after my other grandmother had died, it was like, oh, I get it. You have to be able to receive when it's time to receive, and that is a gift that you give others. You know how good it feels to give? Don't deprive the people in your life from having that experience by refusing to accept what it is they're here to give you. Open to grace. Make room. Open up a space and let it in. And here's another way to make space in your life. And this is a big one. You have to clear out your attachment to what is in order to receive what is to come. You may have to let go of your security in how things are now in order to open yourself up to greater riches that are to come. You may have to give up your idea of what your good is in order to allow the good that is really yours to happen. And I like to say it this way, don't get so focused on the bus to Galveston that you miss the plane to Hawaii, right? Pay attention to what it is that you really want because is it a week in Galveston or is it a week of rest by the ocean? Or is it just a week of rest? Because you might get carried to the top of a mountain. You never know. But when you go, this is what my good is, I'm writing it down. I know this is against a lot of New Thought teaching. I'm making a treasure map of it. This is exactly what it looks like, and it's going to come by this date. It may. And you may have missed something much greater that was in store for you had you been able to be open to accept it. And I stand here today as a very wealthy person, wealthy in every way that I can think of, in love, in friendship, in creativity, in being able to do things I enjoy, in family, and 
in material good. I do not worry anymore about money, and I don't think I ever will again. And it's not. My worry about money went away before I had money. Does that make sense? I began to trust that I would always be taken care of, and I didn't have to focus so much on the details. Instead, I focused on what is mine to do. And when I am thoroughly involved in what is mine to do, I am taken care of. That's the way God works. That's the way God works. I can't give away enough to have less than I need. Just not possible. And I grew up in a church that said, oh, if you are, I mean, literally, there is a, there's a, a Bible verse where Jesus says it is easier for a rich, it is harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. I remember as a kid thinking, well, it would take a long time, but if you cut the camel up into tiny strips, <laughs> you might eventually be able to do that. But what that did is it brought me up with an idea that it is shameful to have material good. And there was a guy in our church who was very rich. He had this big, he had this string of um, car dealerships, and he was, um, he was criticized by people for being rich. And he was like, I don't know what to tell you. He said, God keeps shoveling it in, I keep shoveling it out, but God's got a bigger shovel than I do. And I like that. Your shovel will never be bigger than God's shovel. And so one of the ways to release the way you think it has to be, to release your attachment to the way things are, is to simply start to give freely. And tithing is one way to do that. Tithing means one-tenth. That's traditional in a lot of spiritual traditions. In Islam, it actually, instead of one-tenth of your income, you give one-tenth of your total um, good every year. So not just what you, what you earned this year, but everything that you have in the bank, in land, in property, in everything, 10% once a year, you give, it, you give all of that away. And uh, it's just, to me, and the way it's been explained to me and the way it makes a lot of sense is that this is just, this, it does, the, the actual money itself or goods itself or the, do I do it from gross or from net or from my whole or from my income or whatever, that's all details. The point is that we say in a meaningful way, I am not looking to my paycheck or my boss or my job or my whatever to, for my good. I am looking to God as my source. My only source, my only source is this presence of divine love that created everything and that lives through everything always, forever. And that divine love may manifest through a paycheck or a job, or some, all kinds of unexpected things happen, I have found. <laughs> when, you, uh, when you start allowing God to do God's work and just focus on yours, what am I here to do? What's my purpose today? And then I leave the rest to God. I, I, you couldn't come up with this stuff. Ask me after, I'll tell you some stories. You couldn't come up with this stuff. The most astonishing one was the first month that I started tithing, my ex-husband sent a check for $100. Never before, think I'm joking, never before, never after that time. I don't know where it came from. He was supposed to be paying me child support all the time, but he never did. One month, I got a check in the mail. I was like, 
okay, God, you knew what it would be to, what it would take to convince me that this is divine. And it never happened again. It was just out of the blue. He lived several states away. He was supposed to be paying me 20% of his income for I don't know how many years until I got married again. And one month, I got one check for $100. Okay, God, I'm listening. I hear. May not sound weird to you, but it was the weirdest way I could think of for money to come in at the time. So I have to start giving up my attachment to things. And if I want something, it's okay to say what my desire is. Because I believe that God puts the desires on our, on our hearts. And I love this story. I may have told it before, but it's just so demonstrative. I wanted a dining room table that would fit my family at Thanksgiving around it. Instead of setting up three card tables in three different rooms. And so I ordered this dining room table that had three leaves and it could get really, really big. And the day before it was to be delivered, I got an email that said, we're delivering your table tomorrow and you must remove your old table and all the chairs and clear a path from the front door to where you want the table. Otherwise, we will not deliver the table. Even if we get to your house and we have the table, if you don't have a space cleared for it, you're not going to get it. And we're going to charge you the delivery fee anyway. What are you holding on to that is not making a space for what you want in your life? What are you afraid to let go of? Because I tell you, these days, if I decide that I need some new clothes, the first thing that I do is go into my closet and take out a bunch of stuff that I realize I haven't worn, and I take it to Goodwill where someone can get some use out of it. Then I go shopping. <laughs> make some space, literally make some space. And we also have to make space in our ideas, in our idea of this is the only way that this can happen. This is the only way that this can happen. I wanna be a singer and the only way that this can happen is for me to win this contest. Well, then I go with all of that all of that angst, and I don't win that contest. What does that mean? I can't be a singer. There are a million ways to be a singer. There are a million ways to be a singer. The first way is just to sing, right? But when you put all your apples in one basket, you can convince yourself that there is no good for you. And it's not true. So we start recognizing ahead of time, okay, yeah, I would like that, or Whatever God has for me that's even better than I can imagine. It's okay to ask for things, and it's okay to receive them graciously and gratefully. But we don't get so caught up in our idea of what it must look like that we limit ourselves. So we're, we're flexible in our dialogue with God, even in our dreams even in what we want. And here's the last thing. Judgment limits us when we judge things. This is good. This is bad. This is good. This is bad. You know what? You don't know what's good or bad. It was bad when I lost the job that I loved for 24 years. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yes, I had to endure several months without income. Yes, I was afraid. I was scared. I cried a lot. I didn't know what was next, but I did know something was next. Just didn't know what yet. I didn't feel good right away. So it doesn't always feel good right away, but when you can develop a trust that there is something 
and it's going to be something good. Good or for my good? Always. Because if it's for your good, it's good. As the Dalai Lama and uh, I guess it was the Bishop Christian Reinbill Stahl or something like that, that I just read that from that said that, you know, it's either something that's obviously good or it's a challenge that we are to rise to. And in rising to that challenge, we learn things about ourselves that we never knew. We give gifts to others that we never knew we were capable of giving because that's the way grace works. That's the way God works. And I was told as a child that grace was unmerited favors, that that was the definition. And I was told that that meant that's the stuff God gives you even though you don't deserve it. That was very much the connotation. What I know today is grace is the stuff that that creative, divine, unconditionally loving presence in my life gives me that I don't have to earn. I've earned it simply by being here, by being a creation of that creator. And that is true of every single one of us. We don't have to earn it. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to do a meditation, but I'm going to ask you just to be thinking about this. Force yourself to graciously receive anything that's given to you. Whether if it's a compliment and you don't disagree and you don't agree with it, just say thank you. If it's a gift you don't think you want, thank you. And then use your gifts. Use your treasures and your talents. Use what you have. Use it or lose it. Use what you have. Because then the universe will know. Ah, here's somebody who knows how to receive. And here's how, and, 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 and then the things come, things come, more things come, accept offers of help. Do your work in knowing your worth, which means that every time the thought comes up that I'm not good enough, however that thought looks, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're too lazy, you're too old, you're too young, you're too whatever. Anytime that thought crosses your mind, don't let it sit there. Say, no, actually, I am a divine child of a loving God. Don't let it sit there. Don't let that thought work on you. I am a divine child of a loving God. And say it to yourself until you begin to believe it, until it has as much power as those other voices that have rung in your head from who knows who said at what time in your life. Don't fall in love with how your goals should look. But do hold your goals alive with lots of space around them for grace to happen. Accept life as it is and stop complaining. It's not easy to receive when you're complaining all the time. Do you like to give stuff to people who are just complaining? It doesn't feel very good. So stop complaining. Because you never know if what you're complaining about is going to be your very, very best challenge that's going to make you learn and grow something that you didn't want to learn, but you'll be grateful after you have. And appreciate and enjoy all that you already have. That is gratitude. That is gratitude. Here's what I have. I have all of the things in my life today, all the people in my life today, all the love in my life today, all the time in my life today, and everything that God has in store for me that I haven't thought up yet. And I can give thanks for that in advance. Thank you, God, for the gifts that I know I will receive today through grace. 
I know it's an old-fashioned word. It sounds like a religious word. I invite you to use that word differently, perhaps, from how it's been used on you before. Gifts for free and for fun, just because you are so beloved. Say yes to grace and be thankful. So, we're going to do a quick meditation. If you would just sort of settle in your seats. Make your body as comfortable as possible and receive this free gift of oxygen given to you constantly whether you think about it or not, whether you're grateful or not, whether you ask for it or not. Here it is, this air filling your lungs, keeping your body working. And for a moment, thank the trees and the green things all around you that allow this oxygen, that allow you to breathe in, breathe out carbon dioxide and breathe oxygen back in because there is something breathing carbon dioxide and breathing out oxygen. Is that an accident? That is grace. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, trees. Thank you, universe. Thank you, divine intelligence that makes giving and receiving so beautifully in balance in nature. And then I invite into the space of simply sitting and breathing and being grateful. I invite you to think of something or someone some relationship, something in your life for which you are extremely grateful that you can't imagine your life without. Hold it in your heart. Hold it in your mind. Breathe into it. And say, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. for this priceless gift beyond anything I could have thought of for myself. And when you feel all filled up with gratitude, I invite you to think of something in your life that feels like a challenge feels like a, I don't want to have to. I don't want to. And say, thank you for what it is you have come to teach me, even if I haven't figured it out yet. Breathe into that thank you. beyond whatever it is that doesn't feel good about this challenge. When you breathe that thank you, you create space. Breathe in again and create more space. And again, breathe in and create more 
space. And within that space is, I don't know yet, but I will know. I don't want to, but if it's mine to do, I will learn how and be stronger for it. Or on the other side of this, God has such great gifts for me that I cannot yet imagine, but I'm going to open up the space of imagination and allow it to have its way within me. as the breath. We can't hold on. We have to let it go. Which what we can do because of the promise that there is another breath waiting for us. Whatever material good is in your life now has come to pass and it will pass. But there is more good waiting coming in even as you release whatever has come say to yourself this is for my good I open myself to receive the good of it even if I don't know what it is yet is. Because our spirits are placed firmly in eternity and there is always a beyond. And because we were born in love, created by love, because this presence of divine love is the truth of us and this universe and everything around us. We are assured that whatever is on the other side is also love. And we are worthy of that love. Thank you. 
answer to every question, love. The truth of who we are in this moment, love. And so it is.